Welcome to the Metaversible Podcast, chronicling the journey of reaching the metaverse through blockchain, digital art, and virtual reality. Welcome back to the Metaversible Podcast, where we explore the art and science of the metaverse, this digital world in which we live in. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Chris Cochran, and I'm joined by my awesome friend and co-host, Ron Eddings. Let's dive into the metaverse. And we're about to take another red pill and dive right in. This time, it's just you and I chatting. What are we talking about today, Ron? Let's talk a bit about Web 3.0 and all the aspects. Let's talk about how we came across it, what it means to us, and some of the things that we see in the present and the future of Web 3.0. So we got to take this back to our beginning, which wasn't long ago, maybe two months, when you said, hey, we're about to get into the crypto game. And I said, what are you talking about? You had a mutual friend, Marcus Carey, and you said that Marcus Carey had a project and he needed our help. That night, we get on the call with a bunch of folks that had a bunch of different experiences in Web3 technologies, and we immediately said we were in. Within 48 hours, like I don't know if this has been done. I'm sure it has, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> Within 48 hours, not only did we have our first Metaversible podcast recorded, but it was also pushed to all the platforms. We had album art. We had the guests done, and it was actually a decent episode, I'm sure. It's not that far back for people to go back and hear this first Metaversible podcast episode. But I have to say, since then, I feel like I've been on this crash course in Web3 technology, learning about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, learning about the crypto game. It's been a complete journey, and it's only been a couple months. It has only been a couple months, and we're just getting started. And a little background for you and even the listeners out there about that story about Marcus Carey calling me. It was a Thursday and I was laying on the, the couch talking to my fiance and I get the call from Marcus and he says, Ron, it's stop everything that you do. This is a all hands on deck moment. I need your help <laughs> with this project. And he describes this project to me, Metaversible. This is platform where artists can launch NFTs. It's this platform that uh, uh, presents verification to collectors to make their digital transactions safe and trusted. And it's much more that he had in his mind in the future. And I swear at this moment, it was almost like I was looking off of a building because my hands started sweating. My feet started sweating. <laughs> I realized that there was nothing like out there. There was nothing like the Metaversible podcast. And there was nothing like this Metaversible project that can enable the next wave of artists to really see and perceive their dreams. And not only that, but it's a great opportunity for us to get our hands and feet dirty when it comes to Web 3.0 and build a successful business. You know, when you told me that your hands are sweaty, I was like, what, what's going on here? Is this some kind of voodoo <laughs> magic? Is this like a pyramid scheme that we're about to enter into? And so I had to do my own research, being the skeptic that I am. And the more I looked into it, 
the more I was immersed in this world of the metaverse, the more I was immersed into the economics of it, the technology of it. And I have to be honest with you, there were times where I could barely sleep because of all the potential that was going on at the time. Like just thinking about all the technology and what it's going to enable in the future. I started listening to podcasts. Tim Ferriss just actually did a really good podcast with two gentlemen talking about Web3 technologies. And I tell you what, there's so many people that are just counting out NFTs, they're counting out crypto altogether. And I mean, I have to be honest, there is a lot of junk out there, whether you're talking about NFTs, or you're talking about crypto, I am telling you right now, count my words, this technology is going to be the future of not only art, but business and even economics, it really is going to blow everybody away when we really start using it for the tool that it is. The crazy thing is when you look back in history and you look at Windows and even Linux, both of those operating systems are really what power the world today. And back in the 70s, the 80s, and even in the 90s, people counted out technology. They counted out these inventions and, and solutions that can help businesses scale and reach more of the world. And when you look at Web 3.0, it's the same thing. It's just it just so happens that NFT happens to be one of the first use cases that becomes popular for the collectors rather than just the investors. But it's the same wave that we saw with Web 1.0, which was the static pages and Web 2, mm -hmm. which is dynamic pages that can create video content. But what about the real stuff, virtual reality, mm -hmm. augmented reality? I think we just haven't introduced all the use cases yet. A hundred percent. And before we get too far down the rabbit hole, definitely have to do a disclaimer. We are not financial advisors. Speak to the professionals. Don't take anything that we're saying as investment advice. But I'm telling you right now that you really need to do your research and really look into this space. There's a lot of back and forth on Twitter about, oh, this is all a scam. This is all a ripoff. Are people going to lose money? In this technology? Absolutely. I mean, no matter what technology you're talking about, no matter what innovation you're talking about, people are going to lose money and make bad investments. But when you see what the potential is for some of this stuff, you're going to really understand. So let's break it down for a little bit. Why am I personally so excited about this technology? So just a little bit of background. I was a dancer and I was a good dancer, but I didn't make a lot of money. I would make shows. I would do performances. I would go downtown Atlanta and dance on the street. And a lot of times I'd only make enough to buy dinner for that night. And that would be a good day. And sometimes when we would throw events, I would only have enough to pay the venue. And I'd only have enough to pay for the people that flew into the event. And I made zero dollars. And so when I think about my time as an artist, focused on dance, I thought, man, it's so hard to make it in this world of art in general, not let alone the folks that are doing this for their entire career. But now you look at the advent of non fungible tokens. Now you have this thing called private property on the internet, you can take a digital asset and own it through non fungible tokens. So when you think about a dollar bill, right, you got one in my pocket, one in your pocket, we can switch those out, right? We got that from Zero X Banana when he was on episode one. But now with NFTs, I can say I, without a shadow of a doubt, because it's written on the blockchain, I own this thing. And not only that, when you look at things like Ethereum and you look at Solana, 
you can write these things called smart contracts. And this is the big game changer, I think, in art. The reason it changes the game is because before when you would sell your art to a studio, a lot of times they would buy you buy it at face value or for whatever they were going to offer it to you. Then whenever they sell it, they make whatever money that they have. I'm sure there are some contracts out there where you can get royalties, but it wasn't something that was baked into the ecosystem. With smart contracts, it's baked into the ecosystem. It's code. You cannot, I mean, I'm sure there are ways around it, but it's written into the code so that if I sell it to you and then you sell it to somebody else, if I have coded into it, I get 5% of that transaction, that money is going to go to my wallet. And this is mind boggling because think about it from the perspective of maybe I'm just getting started as an artist and I'm pretty good and people are are liking my art. And so they're giving me one Solana here, maybe 0.5 ETH here. But in the future, when all of a sudden I'm this big name artist, now all of my art is exponentially more valuable and people are trading my art. Now I can still get some of that money, still give me what is due to me because we baked in those smart contracts. So this is starting really with this NFT art world, but it's really going to expand to all business. I can think of just simple thought exercises off the top of my head of the implications of having smart contracts for digital assets for business. Like this is something that people need to start looking at today. Don't jump on the bandwagon and just start making profile picture art. I mean, which is great and fun and everyone's having a good time doing it. But think about some of the other possibilities. Use some of the creativity to figure out how you can use this technology for your business. You know, you brought up a great point about that royalty aspect, coding in something into your contract. Typically, we do this daily when it comes to business operations through just words and gentlemen and gentlewoman agreement. Like we just say, hey, this is what we agree to in the contract. But time and time again, we see stuff in the news about someone stealing, someone not honoring a contract. And this is the first opportunity that we have to build real logic into that contract, logic that has to be followed. These are rules, these are protocols, and there's no way around it. Just imagine if you went to your lawyer and you gave him a Python script or any programming code and said, here's our contract, they will look at you like you're crazy. But now with Solana, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies that support smart contracts, you can build this in and be sure that everyone is being treated fairly. The other component is the idea of decentralization. Like with the smart contracts, you can actually build a decentralized business, a business that doesn't have employees, but has contributors. And in the contract, you can have, hey, whenever we get paid, this set of resources, this percentage of our of our cryptocurrency goes to this specific wallet. And now it can be broken out. You don't have to have a big organization with all of these formalities and payroll just to get paid. You can build that into the contract. A hundred percent. And what's crazy is that now that everyone's living in this decentralized world, they actually have this thing called, I think it's called Decentraland where you can actually buy acreage in this land. It's like a a finite world where you can buy, I think it's like $4,000 for an acre, or maybe, maybe even more expensive than that at this point. But what I'm thinking is like, what, why would someone buy that land for that price? 
And the reason why somebody would buy that land for that price is because you're going to either have utility there or some type of advertisement. So think about it from the context of let's say that this land exists and you're a company, maybe you're a scrappy startup and you say, you know what, I'm going to buy a bunch of land and I'm going to make a bunch of different games on this land. And every game that you go to has a different sponsor. All of a sudden, you know that this game is so popular because maybe thousands of people are playing it per day. Now, you know, thousands of people are seeing that advertisement per day. And I'm not saying that everything's going to be about ads and this, that and the other, because I mean, that that honestly does kind of deplete the, the fun and a lot of things. But honestly, if you just think about the implications of owning stuff on the Internet, it really it really is endless. So when I think about what's going to happen next, I think, honestly, gaming is going to be changed forever. You know how they always have these power-up items and these rare items that they can use to do different things in these different worlds? That's going to go up exponentially in some way, especially if you're, you're saying that this, this sword is super rare, there's only one of them in the world, and they give you some type of ability. Something that significant in a particular game could be very, very expensive. So I, have you seen or read Ready Player One yet? No, but you you told me about that one. So for those that don't know about Ready Player One, it's probably my favorite book of all time. My favorite movie is The Matrix. And then my favorite book of all time is Ready Player One. And what happens in Ready Player One, I won't completely give it away. But the premise of Ready Player One is that this is in the future. And there's this thing called the Oasis. And the Oasis is basically this metaverse that everyone lives in. So People are poor in this future. People are living in these things called stacks, which is RVs stacked on top of each other because real estate's at a, at a prime. And so most people can't afford houses. And so in order to escape, this guy, or really this kid, would go into the metaverse and play games with his friends and, and do all these cool things. But the person that made the game dies. And so then when he dies and his will, he says, all right, I have placed in the game these Easter eggs. And once you find these keys, you will then be able to get the ultimate Easter egg. And you will not only get my entire fortune, which is like $500 billion, but you'll also be able to control and own the Oasis, which is this entire, almost like the entire internet, basically. And so when you think about the uh, the world from that standpoint, because we're really nascent when it comes to virtual reality, when it even comes to gaming in general. When you think about people living in a world like that, that's on the horizon. We're just merely a couple years away from people living in this virtual world all the time, I think. And so when you think about the metaverse from that perspective, and you think about things like ownership, and you think about time in the technology, I think the sky's the limit from an economics perspective. You know, you're actually getting into the definitions of commodity and utility. If you invest in things like gold or even things like teeny beanie babies, teeny beanie babies are a commodity. They're a good that is bought and sold. And that's how a lot of people look at things like NFTs or even this digital acreage that you're referring to. But it, it, it becomes a utility when it's, it's satisfying a need. And I think when you look at Web 3.0, this is the combination of commodities and utilities because the 
commodity is the NFT or this piece of digital space that's written on the blockchain. And the utility is the ability to sell this NFT or to use that NFT for other means. A lot of NFT projects are creating utility to their token. And what that means exactly is you can do multiple things with this one resource. With food, for instance, we can only eat it. You can sell it. And it, it, it's somewhat a utility, but it's not necessarily a good. It's not something that you're just going to put on your shelf and leave there because it's going to spoil rotten. But with Web 3.0 and digital art, virtual reality, we're able to combine the commodities and the utilities of the attributes of these, of these tokens. You bring up a really, really good point. And uh, one thing that I want to mention now about the, the commodities and even some of the utilities about some of these NFTs in the art space. So look at the Board 8 Yacht Club. So there are these really popular pictures of these apes and they have different attributes and now they can become mutant apes, which is kind of cool. But one of the utilities of that particular token or that, that piece of art is that now you have entrance into this very exclusive club. I'm not even sure if they've done anything yet. Like, I'm not sure if they've done any events, but supposedly you get entrance into these mansion parties and these yacht parties that a lot of famous people are going to be going to because now you see all these famous people buying this particular NFT. So if this trend continues, like what are some of the other things that can be created out of this? What are some of the other utilities that are going to be a part of these NFTs? Not only is it a technical like dreamland, but it's a creative dreamland. I remember you and I, we went to NFT NYC and we had a great time. It was, it was so weird because we were amongst some folks were brand new millionaires from crypto. Some folks were just really into art and some people were just really into the technology. And so it's very reminiscent of the early years of, of cybersecurity. But now it's like this almost this, this weird mixture of folks and, and interests and creativity that's got me really like jazzed up about this entire space. Because, you know, sometimes I, I felt like in cybersecurity, things could get kind of dreary and humdrum because we're dealing with attacks and we're dealing with people getting their, their money taken. People are losing their jobs because of stuff, these cyber attacks. But in this field, I know there are going to be some bad things that happen because people are already getting scammed and defrauded. But I feel like in general, this space is just wide open with so many interesting people. And I really can't wait to see what happens next. So let's go ahead and jump in to some of these use cases when it comes to present day and future. We've already spoken a bit about NFTs and hopefully no one's unfamiliar with the idea of just using cryptocurrency as money, as a way to exchange a, a currency for a good or a service. You know, that's also a use case that's out there. I'm looking in the future. One of the areas that I love about technology is machine learning and artificial intelligence. If you're a fan of any of the work that Chris and I do, you'll hear us go back and forth about this discussion of automation. I'm that guy that wants to build Skynet, but a good, <laughs> but a good version, right? <laughs> yeah. And one of the applications of Web 3.0 is the ability to sell your machine learning and artificial intelligence libraries on the blockchain. These would be algorithms that live on the blockchain that others can purchase to use to be able to apply to their data. And one of the other great things about 
AI and machine learning on the blockchain is we'll be able to use the data that's on the blockchain. Once you write to the blockchain, it's going to be there forever indefinitely. And with all of this information and with sharing models that can help us predict data, we can do a lot of that, a lot with that. We can do a lot of social change when it comes to that. We can do a lot of change when it comes to art. We're already seeing NFTs be computer generated, which is amazing. But what if you could buy a generator online and present this generator your idea? You have this idea to create 10,000 NFTs of yourself. And these NFTs will have many different characteristics, but you don't have the time to pick all of them. Just imagine going to a marketplace and being able to bring your idea to life without all the auxiliary skills that go into an art project. You bring up one of the best points when it comes to Web3 technology, and that's this concept of composability, which is taking something that's already been written and then expounding upon it or adding to it to make it even better. So when you look at things in like Web 2.0, things were very closed off. People didn't want you to steal their IP. They wanted to be very close with what was going on there. With Web 3, everything is getting decentralized. And so every, it's almost like everyone's one team, one fight, one big happy family that wants to continue to grow together, which I think from a cultural perspective, that's growth in it of itself. But also from a technology perspective, you're going to have folks, like you said, with that they're going to have code that's out there for people to buy, purchase, and use. There's going to be machine learning out there, algorithms that are created and say, okay, anybody who wants to use this algorithm can use it for their own projects. So if you think about that from that perspective, open source projects have probably led to more growth in cybersecurity than we could even imagine. Imagine technology across the board as this composable, modular ecosystem that people could use these technologies to build upon things. You can Frankenstein things together to make applications. You can Frankenstein things together to make an ecosystem for trade or for art or entertainment. There's so many things that you can do in this space. And I feel like we're just barely scratching the surface. I know we talk a lot about the art because the art is what's popular right now, but really it's the technology, it's the economy of it. And honestly, some of the business applications, I think, are going to blow our minds here in the future. So let's think about this. I'm sure anyone listening can be excited about all of these use cases and, and composability that you were just mentioning. But what about the real world? So we were speaking to an artist recently, and they said that they were hosting these art galleries where you can purchase digital art and also get the physical copy to go along with it. And I've started to see this utility be introduced to other projects. For example, Mila Kunis launched her own NFT project. And after you purchase this NFT, you get access to a, a video series that she produced and created with a few other people. And no matter whether you buy or transfer that NFT to someone else, whoever has that NFT gets access to that content. And I'm thinking of maybe we'll be able to do something similar to that with the real world. What are the real world examples that come to your mind? When I think of 
art and I think of the real world application of that art, but then also having digital components. I mean, like you said, you could have a copy in the real world. In fact, I just took one of the NFTs that I got from Unicorn Social Club and I sent it to a art maker and they're going to turn it into this acrylic print of my NFT, which I think is really, really cool. You see in the NBA, I forget who it was, but somebody bought a board eight yacht club nft and they put it on their shoes there's going to be these physical applications because everybody wants to flex in the digital world with nfts but you know you want to be able to flex it as much as possible in the real world as well so i think we're going to see (laughs) all types of merchandise i think we're going to see different people like have shoes we're going to have see people printing their own t-shirts with this nft stuff i really think that it's really is whatever you could come up with. They might even start selling boats that have uh, NFTs on it because these NFTs are getting really expensive. To to speak, because I, I think we sh- we should definitely talk about the economics really look like in this space. The most expensive NFT was sold. Let, let me put into perspective what this is. This was a photographer that I think they took pictures every day for 5,000 days. And they made a a collage of those photos that collage went for 69 million dollars usd which is an incredible amount of money and what was funny is the same photographer was like almost discounting like this realm of nfts prior to this he was kind of like ah you know it's kind of cool whatever i'm going to do this thing but it made this person a millionaire when you look at some of these board ape yacht clubs they're going for millions of dollars right now When you look at some of the blue chip Solana stuff, you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars. I see people every single day on Twitter talking about spending their life savings for these things. Am I recommending that people go do that? Definitely not. Don't, I I would say don't, is is like a piece of advice is like, don't invest money that you don't have or you can't go without. So, but when you look at the amount of money that's in the space now, I can't imagine any other, field that has exploded with this uh, amount of capital so quickly. So you're going to see all types of real world applications for these NFTs. So let's talk a bit about how to get started. One of the things that I mentioned, and hopefully you check out the metaversable.io website, is that Metaversable is a platform that helps artists launch. And you mentioned Unicorn Social Club also. Unicorn Social Club is an NFT project that the Metaversable team helped launch. And Unicorn Social Club is amazing. If you haven't listened to our episode with Marcus Carey, definitely check that out. But wanted to just put that out there that right now the learning curve is a bit steep when it comes to artists putting their art on the blockchain, building the contract right to make sure that they get their royalties or not and create a positive experience for the buyer and collector. And hopefully we can create this platform to help all people, all artists to put their content on the blockchain. And over time, I think that we'll see this learning curve start to shrink. There's uh, an article that I was reading by Coinbase mentioning that they are going to also be introducing NFTs into their platform. So I'm sure when that happens, we're going to see an explosion of NFTs just around the world. 
100%. And you know, it's funny you mentioned this, this knowledge curve that's kind of steep right now from a technical perspective. While that's completely true, the time curve is unbelievably short. Think about it. People really didn't start talking about NFTs until the beginning of this year. So getting in right now, if you feel like you've already missed the boat, uh, we had adorable Jasmine on where she talked about the train moving as fast as possible. But there are portions of the train that are still moving relatively slow that you can just step onto. And so think of it from that perspective. Think about it if you could be there at the very beginning when people start talking about the World Wide Web. Even just being a year in, you could have been a millionaire or a billionaire based on the knowledge that you have today. So I would look at it from that perspective. Find your lane, figure out the thing that you do really well. We always talk about purpose and we talk about superpowers, but there's going to be something that could apply to this Web3 technology that you do, that you care about or are interested in. So just take your time, figure out what you what works, what doesn't work. Definitely let us know as you embark on this journey. We're going to continue to bring you these episodes. We're going to bring on additional guests that have expertise in crypto and NFTs and virtual reality. You're along this journey with us. You've been there with us since the beginning, if you listen to episode one all the way up until now. And this is where we're at. So definitely stay in touch with us. Definitely subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Share this with your friends, the people that are into NFTs and, and crypto, but even the people that are doubting it out or counting it out, share with them as well, get their take on it, have them do some additional research. And with that, we really appreciate the time and we'll see everybody next time.